So this is actually episode 11. I said 11 on the last one. I was wrong. Last episode was 10. This one is 11. Excellent. And it's called Transition 2. You know why? Because we had Transition 1. Yeah, we had Transition transition 1 because this episode was... A two-part. Huge. It was... Huge. 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 It was so huge that we had to break it up into two. And so... We are deconstructing the current trans movement, and what I did to start the the first half was mostly about how friction is being artificially created, and it's being uh, people are being put into two sides. There seems to be a political battle going on. The progressives have a particular stance that they are progressive, and they're serving kids, and they're serving people by having these gender-affirming care available, and then you have the conservatives or the people that are anti-LGBTQ or transphobes, and they're trying to, uh, you know, they, they got, they're trying to harm them in some way. Those are the, that's the friction that's been created in the landscape that we're trying to deconstruct, okay? And I think that's being done on purpose to get people riled up so people could, you know, reach any number of ends, could be people are making money. It could be people are getting elected. It could be somebody wants to bring in a new type of future and wants to change the value system that exists in the world to try to bring that about. There's many different possibilities as to why this is being stoked and to whom is uh, receiving the benefit. But I believe that if we look back into history, we can better understand what's going on because what we're seeing is actually, it has happened before in history. And I think if I direct people towards that piece of history, they might be able to better contextualize, understand, and make informed decisions about their desire to participate in this conversation and how to do it, how to do it in an informed way. And Dave, you know, Dave gets... This is a hard subject for him, so let's give him a hand. Thank you, Dave. Thank you. For staying in the pocket. Thank you. I am in the pocket. And I know that the types of clips that we played last week are not your favorite. It's a bunch of whiny people really whining and complaining and stuck in their victim mentality. And over this particular subject, Dave, is it's, it's hard for him to sit through this. So thank you, Dave. Yeah. Yeah. You're welcome, listeners. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so... What I'd like to do is use one of the TikTok influencers. I'm going to take some of their words. I'm going to turn them around, and I'm going to use them as a guide for us today. Remember, just like with any influencer trend that is toxic, we don't have to believe it, and we don't have to follow it. And in fact, we can even point out the ludicrousness and make it completely obsolete. So I look forward to doing that today. I look forward to deconstructing this ridiculous trend that has been going on, and uh, I hope to hit people with some serious fun face slaps today, David. Let's hear it. Let's do it. So, um, well, where should I start? I want to talk about the current beliefs 
that we left off with, which was progressive versus conservative. What do the progressives state and possibly believe they are doing by pushing gender-affirming care and treatment? What do they believe they're doing? Helping and protecting trans youths. And, and humans in general. Yes. But particularly kids. Yes. And that where we left off was like that was going to be the knife's edge where people really differed in opinion. Is when you start bringing kids into the mix, the morals and ethics of, of using kids to bring about or to affirm kids in this way, to isolate them and to use them, that is the knife's edge where really the, the rubber meets the road on values. So the progressives believe that they are, one more time, helping kids. Okay. And what, at least what do they believe the conservatives are doing to the kids? Attacking and hurting kids by not allowing them to fully express who they believe or think or have been nudged to believe they really are. And the general sense that is trying to be brought about is that the conservatives are behind on the times, right? Mm -hmm. They're behind on the times. They're not progressive enough to understand. They're not progressive enough. They're behind on the times, and and therefore they are uh, bringing about some harm to people Mm -hmm. and it's there it's because they're behind and i think that that's a important note to make early is progressives position on this is that the conservative ideals are behind the times so uh i'm going to take you through a series of clips most of these are coming from a documentary called affirmation generation okay a really great documentary if somebody was interested in this topic they could go and find affirmation generation on youtube for free i don't imagine dave's gonna go watch it in full so i had to clip it up and use it uh for him here so what we're looking at is what's called a social contagion and i address oh my gosh of course i gotta i gotta set it up this is what happens when you this is what happens when you have to, you know, run it back. Remember? Because we had to, we did this already mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. we had to so run it back. This is a run back. This is a run back. For the listeners out there, by the way, this is the second time we've had to do the show. I had my hard drive crash. The only two corrupted files were these two episodes. Dude. And that's why it's so hard on Dave. <laughs> you like that? We've done this. We've done this before. So if I'm a little rusty on this, just know that but I'm going to get okay. there. I promise. Do you like this one? Hey, run your ass. That like, one's better. Yeah, you like that. this one? Hit me with that. Hey, run it back. Yeah, that's so we're running it back. Listeners, dear listeners, that's why we need the booty. Need your time, talent, and treasure. We'll get to the producer segment later. So, uh, the intent of this is to show that uh, the way that it's being presented in the media currently is may not be accurate, and these positions may not be accurate. And so, I just want to. I need to I need to have that disclaimer as we as we go on. So what we're looking at is what's called a social contagion. This guy believes and this what this whole thing is about the uh, gender affirming care LGBTQ community and the way that we've been treating this. They're actually diagnosing it as something called social contagion. And I think that that's the best place to start. So what we're looking at is what's called a social contagion. And I address that as well in the film. But we do actually have markers for 
the conditions that created this explosion. And it lines up with three things, smartphones, social media, and a massive crash in teenage girls' mental health. Hello, big tech. Mm. Mm. It has corresponded with the rise of social media, big tech, and getting it in the hands of young girls. Social media and smartphones being given to uh, girls uh, that are in middle school. What happens in, in the data, in the research, is that the mental health of girls went into a crisis. We have preteens being hospitalized for cutting themselves at huge increases. I think it's something like 160%. And so you look at all of those things and then you look at the fact that social media has been a uh, a channel for gender ideology to saturate the world of these girls because of the psychological makeup of girls, because they internalized their stress and because they rely more on um, peer connections for developing their identity and connecting with other girls in ways that boys don't. Then social media, when they're in middle school, it caused them to behave so differently and it caused their sense of themselves in the embodied sense of self and their idea of their bodies to be deeply warped. So they started seeing all these girls with filters and these celebrities on social media and it really, really deeply warped them and it warped them in two ways. And we see this in the research in my film, either they go along with the Kim Kardashians and they start to want the breast augmentations and the labiaplasties, or they are terrified by this hypersexual image of womanhood. And as they approach the precipice of puberty, they decide that if they can avoid puberty, they can avoid becoming this hypersexual being. And they, they are told when they have those sensations and those ideas, they are told, oh, that means that you're a boy. Crazy, dude. Dude. It's fucking nuts, dude. That has made the most sense to me of anything that has been presented so far to contextualize the phenomena that is a rapid expansion of something that used to be fractional among the population. That happens to trend perfectly along with the rise of a technology that allowed people to infiltrate and nudge direct to consumer in the form of the smartphone. Big tech itself has advertently or inadvertently, and I could make the case for both, has nudged a generation of kids that are reacting to Another type of artificial presentation of humanity, the Kim Kardashian model, quote unquote, the plastic surgery model, that's not natural. And so there was a natural inherent rejection of that among a swath of a young generation of women, which brings us back to the last episode where most of the attention was focused on men that were transitioning to be women, the athletics, the uh, uh the, the bathroom stuff, but that almost seems like a sleight of hand now to look over here when you give it when you consider that the generation and the population that this has impacted the most has actually been young girls. We're gonna put that on the shelf, the young girls bit, 
I wanted to set up that there is very likely a nudge that has happened, advertently or inadvertently, that has instilled a particular type of philosophy that to now, for most people, has been unnamed. You don't know that you're participating in it exists. And that philosophy system is something called solipsism. Have you ever heard of solipsism? No, and I forgot from last time, and I'm not thrilled to hear about it. What okay, is it? so let's let Mark, let's bring Mark Passio. Mark Passio. We got a Mark Passio return. My guy. Let's examine a two-minute clip. We got about four minutes of content from Passio here. I don't even like how that word sounds. What is the word? Solipsism. Yeah, I don't like it. Solipsism. So he's going to talk about solipsism, and then he's going to define it. And you need to break down the words from their etymological origins. Then you will understand their real meaning. And I'm telling you, you do this, and the top of your head will blow off by what you will find. By what words we speak on a daily basis actually mean. And we have no idea what they mean. Okay? So the word solipsism comes from the Latin adjective solus, which means alone or one. And then the Latin pronoun ipse, which means self, myself, etc. Okay? The ideology of solipsism is that nothing exists outside of me. I'm the only being that exists in creation. Or essentially, it's another way of saying I'm God. Okay, that my perception is the only real perception, and no one else is here. Now imagine that. Now what I'm telling, what I'm essentially telling the audience here today is your perceptions are not the truth. You have to work to align your perceptions with the truth. That's damaging enough to the human ego. Okay, if I just said none of you exist, I'm only perceiving your existence. I'm the only one who exists. Imagine how egoic that statement is, and actually how demoralizing it is to other people. You're even telling them, I don't even consider that you exist. That's what a solipsist is. They believe the universe is a big illusion created for somehow for their amusement, and that there's no objective reality that you don't exist, you don't exist, you don't exist, you don't exist. I'm the only one who exists. And that's not mental illness. We don't diagnose that as mental illness. Okay? I, I don't care if you want to accept the notion everything is one. I personally accept that notion. I do accept that we are all one. That doesn't mean you're not existent in the physical domain right now as I'm talking to you. Of course we all exist here. We are in the physical domain. Okay? So solipsism at its core is a belief that only one's experience is sure to exist and that there's no such thing as objectively true reality that someone outside of myself could you know uh, hold as truth over my own perspective so when you have people say no my reality is that I am this way and anything that you say that's counter to what I'm saying is not verifiably true because only my experience is sure to exist that you can't tell me that I'm something that I'm ex- uh, that's different than what I'm experiencing on the inside that is the core argument in the identity issues of the gender movement and the LGBTQIA plus philosophy they may not realize 
that they are participating in something known as solipsism. And I would say that 99.99999% of them don't realize that there is already a definition for this type of perspective. It's called solipsism. They, they still think that the universe resolves, revolves around the earth and the sun and the solar system revolves around the earth. They forgot about Mr. Galileo. Yeah. You know? There's lots of different belief systems that are being propagated into the sphere of consciousness through big tech, advertently by the leaders of those companies or inadvertently as a byproduct of bad actors that aren't within those companies. It just turns out that some of these companies and solutions are being provided by people like this. It just so happens to be, and we'll, we'll get there in the episode, but these types of ideas are being pushed and propagated through social media and through the internet, and the reason that people don't realize it is they don't recognize it as something else. It's just being presented in a new form. Solipsism is actually what's being propagated, so let's let... Mr. Passio, define it a little bit more before we move on with some other uh, serious fun face slaps for this for this movement. Okay, let's go. Solipsism is the ideology that only one's mind is sure to exist. Solipsists contend that knowledge of anything that is outside of one's own mind is unsure, and hence there is no such thing as objective truth. Okay, no such thing as objective truth. And therefore, nothing about the external world and its workings can actually ever be known. Just think about that statement. It's saying no one can ever know anything. You cannot come to know anything at all. There is no such thing as knowledge. So what I would say to somebody who's following the quote-unquote Course in Miracles, or Course in Solipsism, or of course in acceptance of all forms of evil in this world is you can't know anything by reading the Course in Miracles because nothing can be known, you know? How could a solid, why would a solipsist ever pick up a book? Why would a solipsist ever watch anything, any video? Why would a solipsist ever engage in a conversation with another human being, you know? Tell the solipsist you can't know that you're going to fall off that cliff. So why don't you go try to walk over and see what happens? Because you can't be sure of anything. They won't do that, though. You know? The whole point here is this is a religion. This is a New Age religion. And I'm telling you who it's peddled by. It's peddled by the occultists who have the knowledge of how natural law works and are trying to put out whatever ideologies they can, destructive ideologies they can, to get people not to understand it. And thus far, I believe it's working. So last episode, I had a caveat that me deconstructing this is not in any way an indictment on anyone's choice to transition their... Uh, their biological gender at all. However, I do want to highlight some of the things that are driving the political and ideological movement. That way, if you disagree with them, you could choose not to participate in it at, at least and take away some of the energy, but potentially be a voice against that and still stand for freedom of expression and choice and freedom to be uh, received and treated fairly under the law. I think that that's a fair way to go about it. But back to the issue that it's 
as they're trying to present it that as if it's progressives that are forward thinking that are there to help versus the bad conservatives that are backward and backward and behind the times and they're there to harm that is the narrative that's being put out in the mainstream media you know you don't hear a lot of conversations about solipsism on the news dave you got to come to podcasts like this how many how many of these individuals are on antidepressants or some other pharmaceutical before they started this uh, inner and outer journey. Because, I mean, you know, if, if benzos can make you suicidal, and that's totally fair game, at least now I'm not depressed, yippee, but now I want to kill myself, great. I you know, like, didn't want to kill myself. Yeah, what the fuck, dude? How? And it, no, I mean, you're not, not, you're not happy, you're just a neutral. Yeah. You're not, not sad, you're just back to pretty much flat, Nothing, right? You know, so I don't even understand. This is all just, it's all just ridiculousness. I didn't bring any data on this with me to prep for this show, but I have uh, at least gotten wind of some information of the of the correlation between, uh, yeah, the pharmaceutical increases and yeah, uh, all kinds of secondary tertiary effects on on people that we may not realize so what we're going to do now is go back to affirmation generation and we're going to listen to some clips this is family therapist uh stephanie Wynn on the phrase and term gender affirming care gender affirming care is a misleading phrase it's a deceptive phrase because it sounds so warm and innocent. Uh, But really what it is, is a departure from the standards of care for how we treat any other condition. And that is that we take the self-diagnosis at face value. So if someone tells us they have gender dysphoria, we say, okay, you have gender dysphoria. If they tell us I've always felt that way, we say, okay, you've always felt that way. You see how this is affirming solipsism in their mind? Mm Mm-hmm. If they say, I'm a boy trapped in a girl's body, we say, you're a boy trapped in a girl's body. So we're just mirroring and reflecting without any questioning, probing, curiosity, without taking a systemic view, um, and without using really any of our clinical discernment. Hit pause real quick. This is the same thing as, as opioids 20 years ago. Hey, this is this miracle thing. Take this drug. It's totally fine. There's no problem. It's not going to cause any issues, et cetera, et cetera. And then boom, addiction, death, homelessness, et cetera. Horrible, right? This is the same thing as Adderall 10, 15 years ago, right? My freshman year of college, other folks on the hall were taking Adderall and they were knocking papers out in one night. And I was like, yeah, yeah, I'll try one of these. And, you know, oh, lo and behold, I actually, the first time I took Adderall, I'll tell you a story. I was going to write a paper and... And for second semester freshman year, early on, and I read every article on SoccerAmerica.com <laughs> instead for like six hours. I read every single article. I like bottomed out on every single page of their blog of everything. Dude, I went back years, years. It like turned my hyper focus so intensely. I, I got oh. wormholed. Right. But so like I go to my doctor over break or whatever and I'm like, you know, uh, hey, yeah, having trouble concentrating, uh, 
having a hard time, not with my workload and, uh, some friends take Adderall and it seems to help them. I'd like a prescription. Oh yeah. Great. Here's 30 a month of something, something, something. And I'd go in every six months and he'd be like, how's it working? I was like, ah, not as good anymore. And he'd fucking raise it up, you know, and da, 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 right. And dude, Raise the dose on you. Yeah, raise the dose on me. So now I've got, you know, 2030s as opposed to 1030s or, you know, whatever it is. And I mean, dude, it is just, it's absolutely ridiculous. Now you can't do it. Now you got to go in and actually take tests and and actually like, you know, uh, um, prove that you have this condition that would require you to have medication. You mean that it's gotten to the place where you need more scrutiny in order to receive? To be, receive speed and methamphetamines? Dave, Legally? Dave yeah. I'm gonna give you a freaking fist bump. Wild, dude. wild. Because guess what? I got clips on it. Let's and, hear it. And I didn't. I put them in a different order, so I'm just gonna play that order because it's relevant. Hit him. All right. This is this is on transitions and opioid crisis. The parallels between what's occurring now with gender dysphoria and these interventions of puberty blockers and cross-sex hormones, it bears some resemblance to what happened with the opioid epidemic. With that epidemic, Dave. Yep. Let's give this. Oh. Crap. Let me told you that. Here we go. I can't believe I lost my You lost your, your, it's the yellow, it's the happy button. It's the happy button. Dave nailed it. Nailed it. Physicians were told. Cue dramatic music. A new opioid had been developed uh, that was not addictive. That simply was not true. There was no evidence to support that. There were no safeguards in place uh, around the prescribing of opioids, and uh, we're all now painfully aware of the consequence of that. Dave nailed it. And there's way more proof. Uh, I got lots of them. So, like Dave mentioned, there was this process where it was freely given out, and then they tightened it up when the... um, when they realized they were over overusing it and they brought up the scrutiny in order to qualify to get it. Okay. Mm-hmm. And, and where did we leave off with progressives and, 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 uh, conservatives attacking and defending the what progressives are, are forward thinking mm-hmm. and they care the and they're up to date on the information yeah. and the conservatives are backwards. Ooh, we got a two minute clip that might have something to say about that. On the big news stories overnight, the NHS to close the UK's only dedicated gender identity clinic for children and young people. NHS England has announced the closure of its controversial gender identity clinic for children after an independent report found it was not fit for purpose. The kids with Tavistock C's have many other problems. Uh, they have very high rates of autistic spectrum disorders, self-harm, depression, anxiety, all of these sorts of things. And those things aren't dealt with because there's this weird way that as soon as somebody says gender, they don't do anything else. And the second problem is that the Tavistock has this hugely ideological approach. It hasn't been doing good medicine. It hasn't been keeping records. It hasn't been doing proper research. Ideological. It hasn't been investigating the reasons behind a child's trans identity. Like a religion. It's just been assuming that a child who says I'm trans is trans and putting them on these very poorly researched uh, pathways with puberty blockers and cross-sex hormones. The U.S. is getting more out of step with the rest of the world every day. What was that? I'm going to back that up just a little bit. 
The U.S. is getting more out of step with the rest of the world every day. There are several progressive countries, that, the ones that like pioneered pediatric gender transition, and they are reconsidering what they've been doing. Sweden was the first country to recognize, you know, the legal status of trans people, and they just issued new guidelines where they say gender transitioning of minors should only be done for exceptional cases and in tightly controlled clinical studies. And there are no studies going on right now. Um, Finland did the similar thing two years ago. In the last 12 months, we've heard from the French Academy of Medicine, the Australian psychiatrists and the Italian psychoanalysts all expressing concern. So all of these changes, or at least in Sweden, Finland and England, followed a commissioned systematic review of the evidence, which found either no benefits to youth gender transitions or even that the harms outweighed the benefits. Progressive in America be like, Oops, the most progressive countries on earth that pioneered these treatments are now all walking them back and tightening up the restrictions and making the rigor to qualify for such things way higher. And guess what? The participation in those things when you started putting those boundaries up started falling. It, they, they restricted access because they realized it was being abused. The most progressive countries on earth. So the whole narrative is that's happening in the states, left versus right, is verifiably false and constructed on purpose. Sweden, the first country to to allow that to be like recognized legally, they were the first to walk it back. And it's stuff like this that is an indication as to why. It's just not true that these kids are more likely to complete a suicide if they're not given these interventions. And in fact, there was a study looking at the Swedish population of those who had transitioned that found that those who had transitioned had suicide rates 19 times higher than population matched controls. And, you know... Uh, meanwhile, it's Dude, that's not twice as high. That's not like 10 kids off themselves and now 20 kids off themselves. It's 19 times as high. And in stat- statistics, that would be 1,900, 1,900% more, a near 2,000 fold increase or near 20 fold increase. So... There's also other things that need to be taken into accountability. You can't take numbers like that at face value without reshuffling them through the statistical ways that they could be presented. However, it's at least evidence to suggest that this isn't what we thought it was. Okay, so why then is this issue growing so much in the states? That's the topic that we'll tackle in this clip. China. And Not exactly. That is is something of a mystery, but all we can do is speculate that A, there's tremendous profit in it, and there isn't in these other countries. Dave? Profitability and health actually are at odds. I fucking hear we're back. Hit one more time. One more time. Profitability and health actually are at odds. I'm going to run this clip back. And and before you do, it's it's the Chinese with the TikToks, man. I'm telling you, dude. It's China is programming the TikToks and allowing and pushing 
things to us in America that are the exact opposite of what helps build a normal, good, healthy, productive society. And I'm not saying they're doing that because they're a communist state and et cetera, et cetera. But when you promote learning and doing push-ups and, you know, eating healthy food with your family in one place and then all this ridiculous shit plus and minus everything else in another it's china first of all dave i think we had our first prediction our first dave prediction Mm. on the show Mm. he's taking a stand ladies and gentlemen and i love it i'm here for it it's fucking china now to play devil's advocate Mm -hmm. tiktok didn't exist when this started Oh, they just took they took advantage of it and they fucking hyperwarped it. It could be argued that the algorithm of TikTok simply feeds you what you're already looking for. No. And it could be simply a mirror of the society that you're living in. And I'm open to that being a possibility as well. That the, all TikTok is doing is just showing us who we really are at the moment. <laughs> Let's keep going. And there isn't in these other countries. And B, um, people have invested so much psychologically in this narrative that they have to do everything they can to protect it, even if it involves harming children and families. It's the fucking sunk cost fallacy, and it's the same thing they did with COVID. Like, now people can't walk back how they felt because even with overwhelming evidence leading to all, you know, hey, that shit didn't work, and we were lied to over and over and over and over and over again by our officials and quote-unquote leaders and shit, and people still can't walk it back because they've invested so much into their argument. And with all due respect, it's a lot of the same people. Yeah. Fucking pussies, dude. <laughs> Stuck in that victim mentality. Dave's over here like... I've never been so irate my whole fucking life. No, actually, actually, he's over here like... You're fucking 10-ply, bud. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, what that's he's better. got to say to you right there. You're fucking 10-ply, yeah. bud. Yeah. yeah. You're just 10-ply, man. You don't have enough autonomy over your mind. And honestly, I know Dave's talking shit about you right now, but I hope you're listening, and I hope you know that I'm on your side. That's why I'm talking about it. And, and if we can help move you out of the victim mentality, we will be extremely appreciative. Extremely if you, appreciative. If you want to feel better about your life, hire me. <laughs> right, let's, I'm going to catch the yeah. end of this clip one more time. Anything they can to protect it. Yeah, yeah. Anything that they can do to protect their mind. Uh, and there's the people that are that can't walk it back because it's like an ego thing. And then there are people who are taking advantage of that for this reason. What people don't realize now is that if they get those puberty blockers and they're pushing for it to be younger and younger because the younger the child is that's put on puberty blockers first, then they go to wrong sex hormones, their secondary sex characteristics can be a little bit more tricky. And the medical industry loves that because they got to keep that going. Because again, as Jennifer Billick talks about all these markets opening up, we got to keep those drugs coming for a lifetime in order to keep that body because it will fight forever. The natural DNA in our bodies will fight forever against those poisons that are literally being put in that body. It's also part of the profiteering package because you're sterilizing a whole 
segment of the, the next generation who will, if they decide that they want to have children later, will need the techno-medical complex on the reproductive technology side. Profitability and health actually are at odds. Lifetime customers. Back to the money. Dave said that, I think, in the first show. Follow the money. You it's follow got the, to money. Be the money, man. It's got, <laughs> you got to find the money, man. You can't resist that. Dude, you can't resist that money, man. You have to get the money, man. You have to. And they're, dude, they will. You, you mentioned the COVID pandemic. Like, it's the same industry for the most part. There are some industries, it's the same industries. And it's possible that those types of industries would be willing to leverage the nudge so much that they'll let it to get to this level, no problem, they'll, and they'll want to normalize it. This is from Project Veritas, and this is an undercover experience of someone going in with a hypothetical child that they have, and they wanted to get more information. Keep in mind... One of the main arguments of the super progressive, smart, up-to-date left at the moment, not all people who identify with that, but the ones who are creating the narrative, is that this whole idea that they're doing it willy-nilly to children is false, and it's misinformation, and it's dangerous for us to even be saying that. Yet, Project Veritas goes in and asks them about it, and the exchange goes like this. This Project Veritas investigation exposes a booming business of transgender surgeries, hormones, and puberty blockers for underage children on its way to being a $1 billion a year industry. At New York's Mount Sinai Adolescent Health Center, hospital staff told us they need young patients. We only deal with the patients. We are hands-on with all our patients, adolescents. We deal with patients that come in at 10. They come here by themselves. So we need the patients. 10 years old coming by themselves? 10, 11, yes. All over. All over. over the Proud Center in Somerville, New Jersey. That's Ashley Isaiah Harris, a health coordinator discussing treatments for our hypothetical 10-year-old child. So the youngest we've seen come here that's known that they are trans has been 8-9. Eight, 8-9, nine. Eight, nine. who's known that they've been trans is 8-9 or has had access to be instilled with this solipsist style belief because they're not old enough to conceptualize or even process what they're seeing, experiencing, and relating to on the internet that's being pushed in an incredibly invasive and unnatural way. That couldn't be possibly it. There are a lot of people along the entirety of the political spectrum that should not be having kids (laughs) and should not be main influencers (laughs) over young minds. From the far left to the far right, dude. No doubt about it. Most doubt. Most evenly along the whole side. So the problem with that, Dave, is that that whole idea is that that's also a slippery slope. You start saying things like that. Some people, because now you're starting to trend. Now I'm a depopulation guy. You're on the the fence with Bill Gates, bro. Oh, dude. Dude. No, not me. You understand? That's why this is tough and it's It's complicated. It's the environment. Now that I agree with. That I agree with. An eight-year-old kid is, you know, unless an eight-year-old kid has a phone, which maybe they do now. I don't know. You know, let's let's say they don't. 
then it's whatever's on TV. It's whatever their parents are watching. It's whatever their parents are, are uh, uh, talking about. It's however their parents dress. Little kids aren't going out and buying their fucking clothes. You know, little kids aren't going out and, and getting their own fucking haircuts. You know? I mean, it's, it's just... Super accurate. And if, and if that... And school also is... There is a, yeah. a school. School is definitely where a lot of this is happening, and we'll get to that. But uh, I also want to say that there is a statistics of the population in which that could be true, that that eight-year-old falls within that statistic. What I'm getting at is that it's more prevalent than has ever occurred in human history right now, and we have chosen a path of quote-unquote care that affirms this philosophical belief that most people don't know exists, which is that only your experience is uh, uh, verifiable and that there's no such thing as objective truth. And people, when they come in saying, hey, my, my truth is the only verifiable one, everybody's like, yep, that's exactly how it is. And so it only affirms that solipsistic belief. But now they're starting to have some reality checks now that there's been experiments with this on a bigger scale, a lot more people are talking about their experience, and you can't hide it anymore. At around two and a half, three months, I started to notice some concerning side effects. I, I'm not sure if this was from the binding. The binding is the, the thing that you wrap around your chest to hold down your breast. So she's not sure if it was due to the binding or the testosterone or the both. testosterone. But I started to have heart palpitations that were happening almost daily. I also felt nauseous and sick to my stomach a lot of the time, which wasn't normal for me. I gained about 20 pounds in a relatively short period of time. Stay strapped. And it felt like I had edema in my body, strapped. which is swelling up Literally a fluid. Literally strapped. My face looked very puffy, and so did the rest of my body. And that made me dysphoric as well. Not only was my voice lower, but it was uncomfortable and painful to speak and sing. So it, it hasn't been all bells and whistles and, and rainbows and sunshine for the for the rainbow flag people that have been convinced to go through this process. Dude, what do they think is going to happen? They believe that all of those inner feelings and concerns, that those will go away. And this is basically, you know, they experience what's known as dysphoria or dissatisfaction. Dysmorphia, right? It's more dysmorphia, but dysphoria is the word that they use now. Dysphoria just means being unhappy or unsatisfied, but it's actually dysmorphia is the more accurate way to say it. Then they get sent to, quote, treatment, and then they experience euphoria, right? And a lot of the euphoria is the fact that they're getting given drugs, and drugs feel good, and they make you feel high, and that is euphoria. That's exactly what euphoria is. But then they go through a reality check like this. Like, oh, this is actually hard. And it's not easy to just do this because like the uh, man who had transitioned into a woman said in the previous clip, your body fights that forever. You have to do it forever. Yeah, Otherwise, your natural process is going to process. TRT sounds great if you're a dude until you realize you're going to have to be on that for fucking ever. Yes. That's why you got to stay strapped and push and, it out. And so this is a young uh, boy who transitioned into a girl. Katie Lennon tells her story about transitioning. Actually, I believe Katie 
transition from female to male, but then I, no had one an can issue. keep track anymore. No, no, no. Just, it is Kate, Katie was a girl who transitioned into being a boy who has actually now uh, gone back to being a girl and being herself. Uh, and this is about a two minute story. And after this, we'll cut to commercial break. I just want to set this up. We're going to get to the why on the back side of this. So we've seen this in history on a medical side, which is the opioids, the Adderalls. This has happened in pharmaceutical before, you know, that's widely spread. And then we run it, we rein it in and then it settles somewhere in between. And it's stories like this that are causing this retraction to happen around the world. Just like many children and teens today, I identified myself as transgender for years. And when I started to feel confused and ashamed about my developing body, I asked everyone in my life to call me by a new name and use male pronouns to refer to me. So in other words, I went through a social transition from female to male. Everyone in my life immediately affirmed my new identity, either out of full support for it or just to stay neutral and not cause any issues. But the constant affirmation, both active and passive, solidified me in my transgender identity. No one meant to lock me into an identity that would later leave me broken, ashamed, and more confused than before. They were really all just being nice. But the social transition eventually wasn't enough, and I soon felt I needed to take testosterone. And when that wasn't enough, I had a double mastectomy. And when that still wasn't enough, I had a total hysterectomy, including the removal of my uterus, cervix, fallopian tubes, and both ovaries. There's no point of contentment during a gender transition. We get fleeting moments of euphoria, but ultimately one step leads straight into the next. And I thought that in the end I could really become a man, but all I became was a mutilated and abused version of my old self. Social transition is a big deal, and we're lying when we say that any of this is reversible. This is a big decision with lifelong consequences, and New Hampshire doesn't even require that parents be involved. If the roles of mother and father don't include authority over the emotional, social, and physical future of their children, the roles no longer mean anything. Like me, transgender-identifying youth have a high risk for depression. The Trevor Project, which is an LGBT advocacy group, reports that 45% of LGBT teens have seriously considered attempting suicide in the past year. More than half of that number is transgender-identifying youth. Teachers and school administrators are mandated reporters, and if a child suspected to be four times more likely to attempt suicide than the other students his age, his parents have a right to know. And it is on that note that I will say there is something that you need to keep in mind about this podcast. It doesn't care whether you don't know. It doesn't care whether you're nescient or ignorant. It's in effect. It's binding. And it is immutable. Oh, my God. Moontime Bounce. We got to get you back. There we go. Run it back. Better. Oh, baby. It's the producer segment yes sir of the serious fun podcast give where, me good news man where we come to give me let that good you news. know oh wait you you want you want to know that there is yeah. <laughs> <laughs> let's go let's go dude. yeah we got some booty got today some booty? bro do we got any new booty we got some <laughs> oh <laughs> 
I had that, that the last time I got new booty. That was in my head for like four days, dude. We got we got new booty. Let's fucking go, dude. Congratulations, Serious Fun Podcast. New booty, new booty up in her, and that new booty is from Mister Kurt Bednarsik. Kurt coming in from New York State. He's a buddy of mine. He's a great go to coach, and he's just a general great guy Legends, he's a dude. dad he's 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 been a business owner the dudes the dudes got it figured out so great job thank you kurt Bednarsi coming in at twenty dollars let's go twenty dollars and, and all he wanted to do was just leave that little note and say thank you and great job awesome so we thank you kurt Legend. we appreciate it hey dave guess what what's up <laughs> Oh, we got shit. another bit of new booty. New booty. Let's go, Bob. When what that new booty is from Mr. Tristan Gibson, who has asked us to announce him as Captain Orangutan. Oh, Captain Orangutan himself. Captain Orangutan has come in at $5. So at $5, we say, time value, you say your name, you. we say thank you, and we say we love it. Thank you so much and for the new booty. For the record, Brooks did come over last Friday night with some gelati celesti ice cream that had been, you know, had a tax associated with it, which is totally under, totally, <laughs> totally fair. You know, you, you got to get yourself a bowl before you, yeah. you, you know, dump it off. And it was, it was delightful. So. Oh, well, thank Dave. you, thank you, Captain Taylor Morgan, for the the exclusive booty last week. Yes, thank you, Kurt and Captain Orangutan, this week for that booty. I have so many people asking for my booty. That's so true. Uh, both Taylor and us now, apparently, we have so many people asking for for the booty, and we appreciate Kurt and we appreciate Tristan. Thank you, guys. Thank you, Captain Orangutan. Thank you. So, uh, Dave. I uh, I wanted to ask you, that was the treasure portion of the time, talent, and treasure. However, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. there are two other types of teas. Mm-hmm. What are they? Time and talent. Time and talent. If somebody wanted to give their time, how could they do it? Man, you could share the show with a friend. You could leave us five-star reviews and talk about how funny Dave is and yep. how well-produced the show is by Brooks. I love it. You could, um, you know, uh, uh, you could produce something yourself. Maybe we got a nice new bop or flop coming in. Maybe there's some nice artwork you want to, you want to share, right? You know, who knows? There's a lot of good stuff. It's exactly right. And so that is a way that you could give us your time. And if you're going to do, if you're going to go out of your way to introduce someone to this show, walk up to him and ask him this question. Where's the five fingers? Say to the face. <laughs> Slap. Slap. And we appreciate every time you go out and introduce one, two, ten. Man, we'd love it if you introduce us to a hundred of your best friends. Go mm-hmm. out and give those serious fun face slaps. Big shout out to uh, to Big Rob. Rob uh, shared us the other day, very much out of the blue, to you or I on social media. Said. Big ups to Serious Fun Podcast. So boom, we'll make him a producer of this show. My Episode man. eleven transition two dot dot dot. Let's go, Mark. Thank you, Rob, for donating your time. My man. And for giving us a shout out on Instagram. We see it and we appreciate it. Another way you could do it is with your talent. And so, Dave, I ask you, is this a 
bop or flop? specify that all bops need to sound the same they just need to be they just need to either be a bop or a flop it's a pretty simple game i mean bangers only dude. bop or flop <laughs> and nate dog with another banger another person who has donated so much of their talent for sure as well as their time in being a supporter of this show and dude we are forever forever grateful for nate dog for being such an awesome supporter of the serious fun podcast no, man. Dude, thank you dude. thank you nate dog um yeah time talent and treasure that's what this show is about and we, the reason that we use the value for value model is because as you can tell we're talking about things that right now this would be a hard show to get a sponsor for let's just be honest about it okay if I wanted to go to a mainstream sponsor and say, hey, will you sponsor my show? They'd go, yeah, let me listen to your most recent episodes. And they'd mm-hmm. hear this alternative take on the LGBTQ movement, and they would likely say, hey, um, we like the format. We think you're a phenomenal producer. You know, Dave, Dave's personality could use a little work. Am I right? <laughs> hey. hey. Got him. But, but uh, we just need y'all to not talk about that anymore. Oh. And we're Wouldn't just not going to do that. We're just not going to do that. Nobody strong arms, Brooks. No, that's that's you got that right. Uh, not not on not on this watch. Uh, on my watch, I, I, we are very much against this. The totalitarian tiptoe. We Ooh. do not like the totalitarian tiptoe, and no, there sir. have been some totalitarian tiptoe going on. And you know that is a perfect segue. The totalitarian tiptoe to getting a little bit more clear on the fact that we have seen this before. There is a different type of way that we've seen this before. We mentioned it in the first half. One way that we've seen this is in the pharmaceutical industry. We've seen this before. You get it out there under some false claims. Those claims turn out to be not as true as they were and they walk it back and they make it harder to get however the movement at large resembles something else one of the 
most totalitarian of tiptoes, and that is what James Lindsay is going to introduce us to here. From the Marxist perspective, having studied the history of Marxism to the 20th century, I'm telling you, this guy, George Lukács in Hungary, laid this plan out. Because if you get these kids, like, you break down their innocence sexually, especially, uh, what you can do is then you're gonna, they're going to go home and they're going to tell their parents that they're some, like, lithromantic, you know, demisexual, you know, tree, tree self gender, some, you know, pronouns tree, tree self or something. Now, that's not hyperbole. That, that is not hyperbole. And in fact, uh, here's just a little shout out and reminder that this is not hyperbole. Hi, I'm Cody. I primarily go by eat, M or Z's pronouns, but I'm comfortable being referred to using any neo pronouns that are not Z here. And a little bit about who I am. I am a white, transmasculine, femme, non-binary, disabled, neurodivergent, obsessive, compulsive, chronically ill, unitarian, universalist, raised Jewish, non-monogamous, demi-lower-romantic, great demi-bisexual, survivor of acute and complex trauma, millennial, and cat parent in mental health. Jesus Christ, dude. So, so little Cody comes home to the parents and has this conversation. The parents have no idea what this is, and James Lindsay continues. Some, and the parents are going to be like, what? You know? And they're going to be like, Mom, you just don't understand. You know? So you separate the, the younger generation from the older generation. So you get them to break away and think that they're old fogies, that they're repressive. You don't want me to be my true self, et cetera. The goal is actually to destabilize the kid's identity so that they're groomable. That's identity without an essence in queer theory. And then they're groomable. You groom them into the stuff. And then they look at their parents' culture. They look at their parents themselves. They look at their parents' generation. They look at the parents' religion. And they say, that doesn't represent me. We need something completely different. So it's to, it's to just like in Mao's cultural revolution, and I mean that much more literally than, than you might suspect, it's to cut the tie between the continuity of culture up to that point, including the family, and to start a whole new culture afterwards. I mean, Pol Pot called it years zero i guess klaus schwab calls it the great reset um but the goal is to separate the new generation from the traditions and views of the old generation for mao it was to destroy the so-called four olds old culture old habits old customs and old ways of thinking sujio and and mandarin and um these kids would get like hopped up on this crap and became the red guard and like would go into temples and like rip down all the statuary and tear things down and destroy all the, all the old, all the old Kung Fu masters mm. got their asses beat by mobs to get rid of like old Chinese culture. Cause it's embarrassing or whatever, you know, there's all Chinese medicine, of course. And you can say, well, that stuff was bullshit. You probably need it, but it doesn't matter. There's like destroy the old culture and they would go home and they eventually got to where they're beating their parents they're beating their teachers that were considered revolutionaries or sorry, uh, Actionaries, instead of being in favor of the Chinese Cultural Revolution. And Mao had a whole program he used in schools. And I see something so similar to that in our schools now that I'm freaking out. China! (laughs) We have seen this before. And yes, Dave, it happened in China. It was called the Cultural Revolution. And so... The Cultural Revolution was a, and this is according to an article from The Guardian. What is it? It is. It was a decade-long period of political and social chaos caused by Mao Zedong's bid to use the Chinese masses to reassert his control over the Communist Party. Its bewildering complexity and almost unfathomable brutality was such that to this day, historians struggle to make sense of everything that occurred during the period. And so, uh, yeah, this has happened before. And there are some markers 
of how it started. Okay, and I think if I go through them a little bit at a time and play them with some clips that you're going to see that a lot of what's happening is being modeled. It doesn't necessarily mean it's being propagated by the Chinese, but it is being modeled by something that happened in China. And to Dave's, to Dave's credit, it does make China the most likely candidate at face value. I got I to gotta give you a hand. So how did the Cultural Revolution start? It started when the the Communist Party was infiltrated by what were called counter-revolutionary revisionists, and they were plotting to create a dictatorship of the bourgeois. No. Don't want it. So schools and universities, churches, shrines, libraries, shops, all of the private homes, they were all ransacked and destroyed. And then it started taking over like feudals, uh, feudal system, gangs of teenagers and red armbands uh, started, you know, being students, i.e. kids started uh, wearing military fatigues. They roamed the streets. Uh, in Beijing and Shanghai, and they would just beat the shit out of the bourgeois and beat them, beat up the professors and the teachers, and they would just, yeah, humiliate them in public. They would have struggle sessions, i.e. re-education, on how you should behave and the words that you should use. And then that's how it started, was mockery, but then it really started to get into what was known as the Red Terror. And it was the Red Terror that started killing people, putting them through re-education, and then there was a huge uh, uh, drought uh, and uh, a food drought. Their economy collapsed, and you know, nearly 500,000 to 2 million people lost their lives during this Absolutely. cultural revolution. Mass killings, even cannibalism, torture of that you wouldn't even believe. Basically, things that we wouldn't think were possible happened on a regular basis. The way that they did it was by getting mass media produced, something known as the Little Red Book. It was a pocket-sized collection of quotations from Mao that offered a design for Red Guard life. And the most common people who had that reach to them were younger, in their ki- were kids that were being educated, and they were mostly young girls. Young girls who would then go through a process of neutralization of their gender, would have their hair cut, and would become a almost like carbon copy of each other to make everybody look and dress the same. All their hair was cut short, and that whole idea of being genderless became popular in their culture. So, uh, yeah, there are many of these markers that are present. And, in fact, there are people alive on earth today who have actually lived through this and live in the states now and have been witnessing it and even ran for political office and this is a clip of one of those such people that happens to see a lot of crossover between what's happening in the trans movement and the cultural revolution of Mao Zedong. And next, we hear from a woman who survived Mao's cultural revolution in China, fled to America, and even ran for the U.S. Congress last year. 
Lily Tang Williams peers through the lens of history in her assessment of recent developments in the transgender and gun control movements. Let's see that now. Lily Tang Williams, welcome to our show. Thanks for coming on. Well, thank you for the invite. Now, you and other Chinese Americans have drawn parallels between pro-trans and other far-left activists and the Red Guard, brigades of militant students who helped purge Chinese society of those who opposed Mao's rule during the Cultural Revolution, which you lived through. Tell me more about the parallels that you see. Well, that, uh, you know, the, the hallmark of Mao's Cultural Revolution is uh, to use identity politics and weaponize the youth who are idealistic and uh, worship his regime, worship him as a god. So that uh, he used almost semi-religious indoctrination and daily propaganda to get them to be weaponized and militarized and uh, even toward the end, and they're very violent to torture people who are not so-called red classes. And uh, so I've been warning people about this uh, kind of uh, indoctrination in our schools and colleges because young people, they are not taught the history very well. So they don't recognize those tactics and they also and don't know that uh, what is really truth. So we are very terrified and to say that what is happening today in America. A lot of crossover between these two experiences. A whole lot of crossover between these two experiences. And so... Uh, you know, like I, I have more clips of her, but I, she's going to really stamp it home. But I'm, again, the whole point that I wanted to make is that this is something that has been observed before and deserves to be de- deconstructed through this lens. Uh, because in China, what happened was this stuff got so out of control that the economy collapsed and then all of a sudden, boom, bug burgers. They were eating freaking bugs every day, and it became like a tradition to eat bugs, and then they had markets that sold fried bugs, and those markets continue to exist as like a novelty thing in China. But, you know, most people prefer not to eat bugs in China now if they don't have to. They eat regular food, beef, vegetables, whatever they can get. Uh, They don't eat bugs anymore, but, you know, again, it got so bad that... Boom, bug burgers. Boom, bug burgers. Yeah, and they definitely ate dogs. There weren't a whole lot of stray dogs on the street. So we happen to, in the United States, have a collapsing economy. We happen to, in the United States, have, uh, you know, a lot of political unrest, and a lot of it is being spurred through a group that happens to strongly resemble a... uh, revolutionist China era political party and we have people with insight about it. So I'll let her continue as I close out this deconstruction. Well, we're not, we're not closed. Yet. Let's oh, come, yeah, on. Yeah. come on. We've seen pro-trans activists recently accosting NCAA champion Riley Gaines after she spoke out for women's rights in sports and it follows a similar event in New Zealand where a protester threw sauce on the speaker amid unruly protests. Do you see the, these marks of violence as connected to communist ideology? Well, they certainly use their tactics. Our young people in this country don't know what they're doing, and they don't say 
think, and they are the one who are fascists and who are silence other people. They think they're right because they are brainwashed to believe their cause is number one priority. They got to do this, uh, you know, thing right and be part of this uh, so-called transgender movement. But the thing is, so if they study history, then they will know Mao actually use young people, even use young girls, uh, and want them to actually look dressed like boys, like soldiers, and to join the revolution, destroying four cultures. And he's trying to create a genderless societies, erase girls and women, and the gender differences, and get them all to be loyal to the revolution. And uh, so I feel so sorry to see those young people are being used and naive, idealistic, and now getting involved in this kind of movement, almost use uh, mob tactics, which can lead to the violence and the injuring deaths of people to against the opposition. So it's not like about America. We don't have to agree with each other. We can have discussion and conversations. No, you must be shut up if you don't agree with us. Mob mentality sounds super familiar to a lot of the stuff we've been witnessing on Earth lately, dude. Mm-hmm. Just like getting in on the main narrative and, and anybody that's against that, it started to get aggressive. I think that that's pulled back some since the pandemic. However, it could be. And and I'll tell you why. Because people on one side just got fucking tired of talking about it. That's true. Just got fucking tired of it. Disengaged. Just, just, you know what? Let that be a serious lesson to take away. Just got fucking tired of of doing it. Mind your business and go about your daily life and and cast your vote. But also be aware that stuff like this is going on. Uh, what's different is that there isn't one central figure. And I imagine that if you wanted to initiate a, an author, authoritarian regime, you would learn from the past. And part of the uh, downside of being an ideologue and the one person that everybody attributes these ideals to is if the wind shift, they, all they have to do is kill you. And, and that's, that's, the end of, that's the end game. <clears throat> However... If I wanted to leverage the same benefits of the previous revolution without the risk of being the individual associated with that, that way if the winds change, you're an easy target to kill and move on as a symbol, you would do it in a group that nobody could pin out who the one person is. And I think that there are some people that are benefiting from this uh, tremendously and, you know, are likely pushing it as well. We're going to talk about them to close the show. But I just want to say what is different about this one is that there's no one person that is being put in the Godhead figure. However, it's ideas. ideas. Ideas yeah. are being put as the religion and the godlike figure, the AI, the the artificial god, the the technocrat, the we can be anything we want ideas. These are the types of things that are being lifted up and put into that uh, uh, god position that people are then being rallied to fight behind. No free speech on college campuses. If you don't agree with them, you don't cuddle to them, and they're gonna come to shut down your speech events, and they will, you know, uh, even damage you personally in terms of physical health. It's uh, it's very sad to see this happening. And it is happening on the college circuits. You know, we see mm-hmm. often conservative, uh, quote unquote, conservative 
you know, I'll just, I don't, I'm putting them, I don't know if they self-label conservative, some do, but conservative talkers like Ben Shapiro or Matt Walsh, when they get invited to a university, the liberal side of that university may show up and, and protest. And I've seen some of those protests get a little heated and very much, you can't exercise your free speech on this campus because we don't like it and we'll do anything that we can to stop it. So I got one more final clip on China and this woman. Uh, th- I'm going to wrap this little section of clips about this woman. These are her final thoughts, and I think that they're very much worth paying attention to. They are focused on Marxism, socialism, transgenderism, identity politics. America is a systemic racist country, capitalism bad. It's very terrifying for me to say that did, did the communists follow me come to America or they are all over the worst Western countries? Maybe we don't call them communists because people don't recognize they are actually using the communist tactics to divide people to do the revolutions. So it takes us immigrants who see the writings on the wall to come out publicly and loudly to educate the public to warn people we don't want to go down that path. So while that uh, uh, conflict is being stoked, there are people that are trying to get the truth out. And as a little shout, uh, a call back to the last episode, if you want to create a cultural revolution, there's three things you need to do. You need to create friction by creating artificial sides. And in this case, the sides are cis people and trans people and individuals that are allies or not. But the next thing you need to do is hide or obscure the truth. And the truth is, is that a lot of this is rooted in solipsism. Uh, the, another lie that's hidden in the truth is that conservatives are somehow, quote, behind the times on this, which we've debunked as, no, uh, the progressives of the United States are actually, quote, behind the times on this and on the science. Uh, the shift to Europe's tightening after years of data should signal uh, that, that that is the truth. And they obscure things like the fact that this has happened before. Uh, this has happened in a different context. It is actual Marxism. It is actual Maoism. And you could label it trans-Maoism if you wanted to. And fortunately, some people are speaking out uh, on main or mainstream platforms. People like Bill Maher, who is admittedly a liberal, but has also really pushed back against the uh, uber, uber left, and he's talking about things that he's noticing as well. Yesterday I asked chat GPT, are there any similarities between today's woke revolution and Chairman Mao's cultural revolution of the 1960s? And it wrote back, how long do you have? Because, again, in China, we saw how a revolutionary thought he could do a page one rewrite of humans. Mao ordered his citizens to throw off the four olds, old thinking, old culture, old customs, and old habits. So, um, your whole life went in the garbage overnight. No biggie. And those who resisted were attacked by an army of purifiers called the Red Guard who went around the country putting dunce caps on people. Yeah, who didn't take to being a new kind of mortal being. A lot of pointing and shaming went on. Oh, and about a million dead. And the only way to survive was to plead insanity for the crime of being insufficiently radical, then apologize and thank the state, and of course submit to re-education or as we call it here in America, freshman orientation. 
Boom. Great job. He's seeing it. And other politicians and, you know, thought leaders have seen this coming. They may not have been able to name the trans issue and the Maoism coming together, but they have seen the undercurrent that would allow for that to happen. And it has a name and it's called transvaluation. So unexpectedly to him, trans ended up being the, I think that's called a suffix. I believe it's called a suffix in, in literature. Trans, transvaluation, trans, uh, you know, whatever, transgender, trans, whatever. It's a, uh, those words are aligned. He calls it transvaluation. And it is the, what I believe, uh, and by the way, the author of the book uh, is Pat Buchanan. I believe he was a senator. This was called The Death of the West. He wrote it in 2001, and this is someone reading an excerpt from his book about this concept. And I think this concept is important to understand because it's what I imagine that we're witnessing right now. Remember in the Cultural Revolution, you had to get rid of the four olds, Dave? Mm -hmm. All right, keep that in mind. When Cornwallis's army marched out of Yorktown, the fife and drums played, the world turned upside down. Now our world has been turned upside down. What was I got? I'm going to ask. I'm going to do a reach out on this. I'm going to see if we can get Hallie to read this person's book. Wouldn't you much rather hear Hallie yeah, Meadows' beautiful voice? Sucks as a reader. I mean, you know, if you got some like tough information, I think delivering it in Hallie's voice would be a much better alternative. It seems to work for Dave. It's better than. It's better than what this is. But yeah. try to look past the the reader voice and listen. 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 Right and true yesterday is wrong and false I'm today. Back this up. Played the war. When Cornwallis's army marched out of Yorktown, the fife and drums played, the world turned upside down. Now our world has been turned upside down. What was right and true yesterday is wrong and false today. What was immoral and shameful, promiscuity, abortion, euthanasia, Suicide has become progressive and praiseworthy. Nietzsche called it the transvaluation of all values. The old virtues become sins, and the old sins become virtues. Sin virtues like well-being and having a nice-looking body that's reflective of your inner and outer health. Things like that's, that's, that's... marriage. Things like freedom of thought and of speech. Things like loving being a man or loving being a woman and being proud to be a man or being proud to be a woman. Sounds I don't like, know. It sounds like white supremacy. Uh, yeah, it must be. That was a good one, Dave. Sex, fame, money, power. Those are what our new America is all about. We are two countries, two peoples. An older America is passing away and a new America is coming into its own. The new Americans who grew up in the 1960s and the years since did not like the old America. They thought it a bigoted, reactionary, repressive, stodgy country. So they kicked the dust from their heels and set out to build a new America. And they have succeeded. To its accolades, the Cultural Revolution has been a glorious revolution. But to millions, they have replaced the good country we grew up in with a cultural wasteland and a moral sewer that are not worth living in 
and not worth fighting for. Says the guy who's fighting against suicide. It's very uh, positive words. Yeah, I, I'd say so. Facetiously. Facetiously. Who who's fighting off suicide? Um, Pat Buchanan. Now he's just saying that suicide has been uh, deemed progressive. Mm-hmm. No, uh, no, and, yeah, in Can- I, and in Canada, they're doing assisted suicides. In, in the beginning of the clip, and at the end, he's like, "Yeah, now, now we live because of this degeneration. Now we live in a world that's not even worth living in." Yeah, well, that sounds like an old fogey to me. Yeah. That, that that sounds like some sourpuss way of looking at it. But he's still highlighting some important points, I think. So he said, people that were born in that era, the '60s, became dis dis in, uh, they thought their parent, their old generations were bigots and whatnot, which you know happened during the civil rights movement. So totally, another reaction to social imprinting pushed through the mass media. There is a resistance to all of that, and some of which is good. Like he mentioned, some of the cultural revolution has been great, but it has also come with it some side effects, like a generation pushing solipsism, like a generation pushing these things that make money like if you were yeah if, if you were wanting to change the value system of the united states you would uh and you were of that generation you would look a certain type of way and be a certain type of way and Sex, it just and, and, and it just so happens that the final crest of clips that i have for you today is going to name drop some of who those people are we'll pause intermittently i'll pull up google we'll take a look at these individuals with our own eyes and we'll assess it for ourselves live on this show. Who are exactly the people that were didn't like the old generation and are trying to actively shape it? They exist in big tech and they happen to exist in pharmaceutical. Wouldn't you believe it? This is an uh, investigative journalist named Jennifer Billick. She is a listed feminist, which I believe now would have her qualifying as a TERF, a uh, trans-exclusionary radical feminist. Apparently, she has a radical perspective for believing that biological women are biological women. And so, yeah, she's she's about to name drop. She's tired of this. This is about two and a half minutes. It's technology. It's the advancement of technology to improve, you know, our lives. But we never get a say in any of that. You know, we don't get to say, we don't get to decide, we don't get all the information. This is all elites deciding this for us, right? And it's, you know, it rides the bullet train of the market, you know? Everybody is profiteering off of this now, even if they have no idea what it's about. You know, transgender modeling agencies, gender fluid makeup, photographers taking pictures of transgender children, you know, it's everywhere. And this same message is being driven into their grade schools. You know, by second grade, they're learning about uh, gender identity, uh, taking hormones, um, and this is all brought in under anti-bullying programs. These programs were passed by Obama um, and funded by the Pritzker family, uh, the the one of the largest, uh, one of the most wealthy families in America. Um, there's many of them. Um, Jennifer Pritzker was a um, an army colonel. He purports to be a female. Um, and runs around with, uh, you know, uh, synthetic sex characteristics of a female. Name drop first. Jennifer Pritzker. Let's take a look at Jennifer Pritzker. Oh, oh my dude. God. Looks super healthy. Looks super healthy, right? 
dude. I not. Mean, like God, I'm, 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 I'm on the edge. Man. I'm on the edge of what I'm about to say. This person kind of looks like they like the devil. I don't know. But it's, that is so clearly not what it purports, purports to be. It is like the world is upside down when you look at this person. And they're super wealthy. They fit right in that 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 time frame in which you know they would be dis. Uh, what's the word I'm looking? Disenchanted with the culture and wanting to be different. So I advise you, uh, or I, I no, encourage do you, don't to look it. up Jennifer do Pritzker don't on on Google Webs. Who else is it? Let's get names. We want names. Who, we've been asking this question for eleven episodes, Dave. Who is doing all of this? Um, and uh, he drives this ideology into um, into the psychiatric departments of major universities, into um, other medical institutions, gender hospitals, um, the military, etc., uh, etc. Et and um, his company, Tawani Foundation, is partnered with Squadron Capital, which is a um, medical device company. So he's following the same trajectory of Arcus Foundation. Right, Stryker Medical is a medical supply corporation, right? John Stryker. So I've looked up uh, John Stryker, an American architect. John Stryker is an American architect, philanthropist, and billionaire heir to the Stryker Corporation Medical Technology. Medical Technology, Dave. Mm -hmm. Transhumanists, medical tech. Um, and he's dressed very fancifully. I'm not going to make any assumptions about his gender nor his sexuality, but uh, he founded something called the Arcus Foundation, and uh, he's got a shit ton of money, so we got eyes on him. And they're going to be profiting off of these surgeries, not just, you know, so-called gender surgeries, but human augmentation. When we, when we open the door to these kind of radical changes to our biology, you know, the way that we're planted in the, in the ecosphere, you know, once we let that go, that tether, anything is up for grabs, you know. They can manipulate your DNA. They can manipulate you any way you want. And that's why these rights are, I mean, from what I can tell, um, these, why these rights, these gender rights are being passed. It's not about... Uh, people that are allowing their uh, a medical attack on their sex. It's for future augmented human beings. I follow the money, and money trails do not lie. They that tell you the truth. truth. Money trails money. don't lie. Money trails don't lie. <laughs> you can't resist that money, man. So they're being shaped by people who are, the politics are being shaped so these organizations are being funded also by organizations like Arcus Foundation. So they're directly financially involved in bringing these political ideologies out. And they also happen to benefit directly from the products and services that a larger market of people who believe that would need, okay, and so this is Jennifer, and, and if you follow the money, you can start to get closer as to what is the origin of all of this. I'll let Jennifer Billet continue on following the money. And so I started following the money, and I looked at all these different um, NGOs, these non-governmental organizations, that were really huge. 
huge. They were huge, like Arcus Foundation and Gill Foundation. They're mammoth. They've each given like a half a billion dollars to um, to spread this ideology through um, through the cultures. You know, not just our culture, but you know, Western cultures because they've they um, they fund other organizations that do the same thing. Um, and they create this whole scaffolding, this political scaffolding to drive it so that you have media people, you have people that are being trained in politics to get them into political institutions, like the Victory Institute, for instance. Um, that's funded very heavily by Arcus Foundation. And like, for instance, Rachel Levine was part of that organization. You know, they call people from different schools. We did it, Dave. Right. We're back to Rachel Levine, dude. Dude, call back from like five freaking episodes ago, six episodes ago. I said we'd be back to the Rachel Levine angle of all this. Are you looking at what I'm doing right now, bro? This is a tapestry of information that I've been telling people. I'm going to lay out. You got to stick with it because I'm going to be bringing shit, weaving it back in. I told you there'd be a Rachel Levine angle to all this, and here it is. It's a good Easter egg in different areas um, that are going to work for them and then they train them to be in these positions to drive policy through the culture. So there are people that are actively setting up the infrastructure to drive their businesses forward by getting political media and infiltrating in all these ways, just like the Mao political revolution. There's just not one single person that is identifiable as to it. It's a group of people that come from a similar generation that were disenchanted with a whole amount of culture that they witnessed and they wanted to turn it all around. And it just so happened that they convinced a lot of really rich wealthy people or came from really rich wealthy backgrounds had backgrounds in the military had backgrounds in intelligence industries and they're actively shaping all of this right now dude and i think she's going to mention one more person uh and then we'll have like a couple more clips and we'll and we'll get out of here and, and we'll see where we'll see where the show takes us for episode 12 and so then they have media people as well, like GLAD is the media arm. <clears throat> so GLAD and uh, Arcus Foundation are closely working together. And GLAD goes about spreading information about how people are supposed to talk about this because it's a human right and you don't want to offend anybody, right? So the message comes from on high. And what I mean by on high is not Arcus Foundation. I mean Stryker Medical, $17.1 billion corporation and growing by the day in 75 different countries. The medical industrial complex is bigger than the military industrial complex. Mm. Unreal, dude. Follow the money. Mm -hmm. Follow the money. Who's benefiting from all of this? Follow the money. And when you follow the money, you find the people. When you find the people, you can then start to do a little investigation into what those people believe. Shit. Because they actually leave a paper trail if you just know where to look. And part of the game is that most people don't care, won't look, won't do it. I will. And I'll find stuff like this. So this is the final Jennifer Billick uh, clip. It's a roughly three minutes. And this is the last clip of the day. We'll do some ISOs, have a little fun, and then we'll ship off into the airwaves and, and we'll go on about our day, Dave. How about it? Yes, sir. All right. 
And you know, you can see this this trajectory in the uh, you know along late nineteen nineties, early. Yeah, you know, she might have mispronounced her word. You know, sometimes you put the emphasis on the wrong syllable when you're on on the spot. You know, I'm it. not gonna not gonna falter too much for that. I do it all the time on the show. Two thousands. Um, there was a big shift in the culture from, you know, uh, data uh, from uh, the digital age and the information age, um, and it sort of uh, moved into um, artificial intelligence, transhumanism, uh, robots, nanotechnology, biotechnology, etc. So this is kind of where we're going now. This is like the future trajectory of this. But okay, she said it twice. She said trajectory twice, so I can't. Hold on, let me get. Uh, uh. Sorry, Jennifer Billick. We're going to make fun of you a little bit because that's what we do on this show. It's the Serious Fun Podcast, after all. We like to have a little fun, so trajectory. But if you listen to all of the categories that she just said, they certainly sound like a lot of the categories that we've gone over on the Serious Fun Podcast. Let's tie them all back together. Sort of uh, moved into um, artificial intelligence, transhumanism, uh, robots, nanotechnology, biotechnology, etc. So this is kind of where we're going now. This is like the future trajectory of this. But, you know, Silicon Valley has been pushing a transhumanist agenda for, you know, since the early 2000s, late 1990s. So then Bainbridge uh, meets up with um, another interesting character, uh, Martine Rothblatt, who is um, also a transhumanist. And Rothblatt is... um, um, he's a transsexual. He's a man that's appropriated uh, simulacrums of women's biology for himself, and he calls himself, you know, a transgender or a transsexual. Can I also just note that all of the people that have been transgender leaders of this movement have all been men that have transitioned or appropriated the appearance of women? If I were a person... woman, I'd be pissed, man. Yes, dude! Like, what the fuck? You're telling, and then, and that again is just like the most ironic. That is the most man thing to do if you want to joke about it, just, is to appropriate a woman's character and be like, "I am the superior woman." And then, and then women are like, "Oh, okay, that's fine," because they don't want to be offensive. Yeah. And I'm looking at Martine Rothblatt right now. So Martine Rothblatt, clearly a dude, and made made a robot spouse as well. So Martine Rothblatt has a ro- robot spouse that is very strange and artificial intelligent look looking. Dude, you know and what it, the fuck? It's is that dude. It looks hard pass. Hard bro. pass, what dude. The <laughs> fuck. Hard pass, I'm, I'm, dude. I'm, I'm losing it, man. We gotta get it. We gotta. All right, we, we, we gotta. We don't have much of Dave left. We gotta finish this up. We gotta finish this up. He's very well renowned and very well, you know, appreciated for his accomplishments. So he's been in the tech sector. He's been in the um, in the medical sector. He's been in all over Hollywood. You know, he's been on Oprah and he's been on a million different shows, you know, with his robot wife, which he created. Rothblatt wrote a book and it's really like it's really a blueprint of what's going on in the culture now this is his ideology um, working off of the work of Bainbridge Um, whereas we're going to disintegrate the sexes the boundary between the sexes Um, there'll be no youth and age there'll be no you know male and female there'll be no uh, transhumanism is like boundarylessness you know you're out there in cyberspace ultimately while you're getting there it's an upgrade in humanity building yourself with 
of machines, you know, uh, transferring reproduction, human reproduction to the tech sector in, uh, I think it was late 1980. Shout out Acto Life. A whole bunch of other transvestite lawyers and, um, and transsexuals, and they created a document which was the first, the very first gender bill, which brings disembodiment into the law, the sexual objectification of female biology, you know, into parts and making a human right out of that. Well, where he's going is full-on disembodiment, where everybody lives in cyberspace. We live in a virtual reality. We don't live in our bodies anymore. We're going to be up artificial everything cyberspace. Well, in order to sell that to the public, you know, transhumanism and disembodiment as a life. Um, you're going to have to groom them and get them up. there. And the way to do that you're is have to... What? Um, you're going to have to what? You're going to have to what? Wait, wait, listen. Uploaded into cyberspace. Well, in order to sell that to the public, you know, transhumanism and disembodiment as a life, um, you're going to have to groom them. Notice that word coming up a lot. When it relates to the transhuman, you know, transgender movement, the grooming, you're gonna have to groom them. Yes, we live in a virtual reality. We don't live in our bodies anymore. We're gonna be up- uploaded into cyberspace. Well, in order to sell that to the public, you know, transhumanism and disembodiment as a life, um, you're gonna have to groom them and get them there. And the way to do that is to um, create this ideology that says that you can choose your sex. That's disembodiment. The totalitarian tiptoe. It is, pra- it is disembodiment, uh, 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 affirming disembodiment, and you have to... It's a, it's a mental illness. I mean, that's what it really is. It's propagating a mental illness, and they're doing it with social uh, media, and, it, and it's working. But it won't work forever, Dave, because they've gone after the kids. I just want people to know that this is out there. There are people that are actively trying to do this. It's not conspiracy theories. It's it's very findable on the interwebs. And it's important that we understand that these people exist. Okay? And I feel like I've done a good job because they're actively, you know, like... I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do a callback real quick, a callback clip to finish off what Martine Roth, uh, Jennifer Billick just said about that whole arc, what they were trying to get across, and I want you to listen to, to remind you. Dave, don't you, don't you go anywhere. You're going to love this one. Feeling overwhelmed by all your responsibilities, wondering what's the meaning of life, ready to quit living, but, but not, not ready, ready to, to die. die? Oh, my God. Worry no more, because EctoLife got you covered. Introducing the EctoLife Upgrade Program, powered by useless people. EctoLife Upgrade allows for those left behind by modern society to be of actual use for AI's utopia. We've partnered with Whack Arnold's to provide your necessary nutrients delivered directly to your pod. A convenient solution for everyone, from elite gamer veterans to sody drinking superfats. With the help of a delicate layer of engineered enzymes, your human waste becomes a renewable energy source to power the AI, combat climate change, and save the planet. Enhance your pod with our immersive experience kit, complete with a virtual headset and haptic suit so you can go everywhere without going anywhere. Ectolife, reinventing living. 
It is crazy how it didn't take us so long to where this satirical commercial really stopped sounding like satire when you mm-hmm. listen to that final set of clips. Mm-hmm. Because they got the money, they got the wits about them, and they're willing to do things like cultivate and stoke a fake cultural revolution in order to bring that about. They're willing to nudge, push people into doing you know, unthinkable things. And it has happened before, and it is currently happening. So if you are one of those people out there that uh, believes in freedom and just make sure and, and you still want the, the your friends to be able to express as trans or however they want to show up, if you can do that in a in a sovereign mindset, if you can do that in a way that, that helps perpetuate freedom of expression and freedom of speech and does not put down the freedom of speech and expression of others, if our values can coexist, then we can create a wonderful future. But when you got some bad actors trying to create fi- friction, hide and obscure the truth about what's going on with these medical transitions, especially amongst kids, and are willing to harness and weaponize it for their benefit, we're going to have some problems, and that's just a fact. So, uh, Dave, any final thoughts before I play some of these ISOs and get us up out of here? No. No? I like this one. Really huge. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> one more? Oh, yeah, I thought that was good. Really huge. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Jennifer Billick, yep. uh, for that for that wonderful piece of entertainment. Can you put that and Trump's huge back-to-back? Uh, let's see. Let's see. Hold on. Let's see. Really huge. Huge. Yep. It's good. I like that. Huge. Really huge. <laughs> I think I like him backwards. I like I like Trump followed up by huge. It's like huge, really huge. Huge. Really huge. Oh, my God, dude. Ugh. Davey, you did it, dude. Let's give you one Thanks, final dude. round of applause. Send booty. Send us your booty. Send, Send booty. booty. Your booty for the love of God. Where we're going to take this show, Dave, um, I'm not quite sure yet because number 11 turned out to, you know, like pull so many of the things that I've been talking about all together in this one little nice little bow. I have an idea for episode 12. Tell me about it. We just need to fucking get on here and smoke some weed and hang out for a little bit. Are you still on the weed? Yeah. He's what? Yeah. On the weed. David. So next time. Next, next time. time. Next time we'll get out and smoke the devil's lettuce. Yeah, we'll, we'll get out. We'll smoke the devil's lettuce. We'll just hang out on the show. Maybe we just talk about some things, shoot the shit. People get to know us a little bit more. We, you know, make that, it a little easy build, close it out. That would be incredible. Wouldn't it? Maybe uh, a little bit easier for your boy. We'll have like a like a season break or something? Yeah, dude. Just like Number nice 12, just like 12. something. Just a chill. Yeah, the end of the first quarter type jammer. Or, or, or. I could do an episode about Satanism. You could go fuck yourself. <laughs> no. No. Because that's the one that's closest. I won't do it, next. dude. I won't do it. <laughs> Whoa, we'll see about uh, that. Dude, and I, I will, guess you will, too. I will go home. I will see about it. And so will you for episode Satanism. 12. I will go home. <laughs> see you there. Yeah, when I got my home. Oh shit. I started doing the world differently. I became more in tune with nature. Now I can see. I'm like, okay, I see you. I 
Show me, sir. 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 Show